Hi guys and welcome to another episode of Pure Championship. I'm today's host Cam Anderson and as always I'm joined by my right hand man Chris Sampson. How are we getting on today Chris? Yeah good thank you, how are you? Excellent, yeah I'm really good too thanks. So before we get into the podcast I'd just like to put out a little disclaimer. Since the last podcast has actually been two match days which has been a bit of a logistical nightmare I guess you could say for me and Chris <laughs> trying, to, trying to sort it out. So after Saturday's games we recorded our kind of thoughts and hopefully Chris is going to seamlessly edit our thoughts from Tuesday's match, uh, Tuesday's matches all together and you the listeners will be none the wiser that he's done it. So fingers crossed it all goes to plan but just to kind of let you know in case you wonder why we go back on points or, or what not kind of, as the podcast goes on. And I'm sure it'll be seamless. Let's hope so. <laughs> right, so let's get right underway then. Back to last Friday where Air were... Defeated 2-1 at home to Dundee uh, in the BBC Scotland match. What uh, Did you manage to catch the game and what did you think of it, Chris? Uh, I've watched the highlights of this one. I didn't, I didn't catch the game live, unfortunately. Um, but my, my first initial reaction is Declan McDade is the one getting Dundee going at the moment, um, I think. Obviously, he got an impressive double against our broth a, a few weeks back too, and, and he got them the points uh, got them the points in that one, um, and he got them on their way to the three points in this one as well. Yeah, he was a player that I've kind of got down on my notes who played really well, of course, against his former employers. Although he didn't celebrate after his goal, uh, you could certainly notice the booing from the from the home support. This was Mark Kerr's first game in charge for Ayr. Do you think he's the right man for the job? I think his appointment kind of came out of nowhere, didn't it? It wasn't really something that we had properly considered. Obviously, he was being rumoured, but I, my initial reaction is I think he's still got something to give Ayr on the pitch this season and dropping himself for this match maybe harmed him a little bit. Um, Jordan Houston came in for him, um, with Andy Gegan moving into the midfield, I think. So I'm not sure. I think it remains to be seen, definitely. Yeah, I absolutely agree. As you say, he dropped himself. I'm interested to see if he's going to kind of continue with that kind of approach going forward, or if he will kind of put himself in the team, as you say. He does still have a lot to give, despite being, what, 35, perhaps even 36 now. So it'll certainly be interesting to kind of see how they get on in the coming weeks, kind of once he's kind of starting to get his own ideas across. He's had a really good season so far, to be fair, uh, on the pitch. So um, I, w- I was quite surprised when he when he wanted to make that move into management. So I mean, thirty five, as you say, but but still quite early on in his career. Like he, he could have had another few years at least. So we kind of every single week now we discuss Dundee's attacking kind of set up. For this game, McPake went for two up top, but yet again, uh, the strikers still can't seem to score goals. He'd went for Nelson and Hemmings this time, but I really don't know what they can kind of do to, to find that spark. As you said, McDade's kind of the one that's delivering the goods at the moment, kind of from out wide. But if Dundee kind of want to progress, they really need to get those strikers scoring soon. Yeah, definitely. Their, their strikers are almost like a decoy at the moment for the for the midfield to 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 be the ones pr- producing the goods. I think. Especially McDade's goal, I think it was some really good like pressing from from Dundee to win the ball back uh, high up the pitch, um, and then a really good bit of movement from McDade to to follow that pass inside that he made and and finish really well into the bottom corner, um, and then Paul McGowan's goal obviously again, a bit of a, a wonderful piece of shit housing from him I thought um, he won a free kick which led to a wee scuffle and uh, both him and I think Andy Gegan got booked. And then from that resulting free kick, he went on to score the the rebound um, with a bit of cupped ears uh, to the Somerset support as well. You just you love to see stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. 
It wouldn't be a pure championship podcast without mentioning Luke McCowan. As everyone knows, he is one of mine and Chris's favourite players this season and he once again got himself on the score sheet. Unfortunately, couldn't prevent Ayr from, from dropping points in this match, but I mean, he certainly had a chance kind of, later on in the game where he could have tied things level. Yeah, I thought I really thought there'd be more goals in this one when he equalised, kind of hit back straight after McGowan's goal. Um, really good header for him from from the goal to kind of follow in that that flick on. But uh, yeah, I was quite surprised that the air maybe didn't push for the equaliser a bit more, or, or Dundee didn't get grab another. So moving on, then we're going to discuss Dundee United's two 0 home win against Madden Femlin. Before getting into the game, kind of figures, kind of a few days before this, kind of came out from their annual shareholders meeting. Which, kind of from the outside looking in, I'd say make for quite worrying reading. The kind of figures from their financial statements say that they made a 3.7 million loss last season, a circa 3.5 million increase in the previous season, and on top of that, they also had a wage bill of 4 million. So I don't personally think that's something sustainable at certainly at this level, and I think it highlights just how much Dundee United are ploughing in, trying to get themselves back to the promised land, which is the Premiership. What do you make of these figures, Chris? Yeah, I think it was pretty uh, eye-opening, uh, or eye-watering as well, I think, um, especially considering some of the, the, the money that some of the clubs in the league uh, pay out initially. Like they, they could they could only dream of £4 million wage bills, and, and I think that those figures were before Lawrence Shanklin joined in the summer as well. So, um, yes, new owners have come in, and, and I think I, I've noted... And I think they've been levelling things up a little bit as well in terms of across the whole club. I know they've they've splashed out on maybe some uh, upgraded facilities and things like that, and, and tried to maybe, or obviously they're already a professional club, but try to increase that professionalism across the club, and and that does come at a price, especially for a club like Dundee United. Um, I think you look at the figures, and and it does put them probably around fifth or maybe even sixth place across all Scottish clubs for that kind of wage bill um, even some of the premiership clubs like like we said are probably looking at that and thinking uh, we could only dream of stuff like that so I, it, it is a worry and, and yes they're, they are top of the league but they, they need to make sure that they stay there for the rest of the season now Yeah I think that's absolutely crucial and I mean Saturday's win is certainly going to help them on their way although I was at the game I, I didn't actually think they were all that impressive Granted, that could have been down to the fact they kind of found themselves 2-0 up kind of by the halfway mark of the first half. They kind of took the foot off the gas, and after that, they didn't really do much. I kind of, If I recall correctly, I don't even remember their keeper making a single save. I, I mean, the pars, I think it would maybe be fair to say that we dominated kind of in possession, but we certainly never made it count. Andy Ryan, who came in for a start, kind of, well, a much kind of deserved start, should I say, Kind of came probably came closest for us as he hit the bar, but other than that, but it was another case of just simply not enough from the pars. I was I was going to ask you, was it a case of Dunfermline couldn't score, or was the Dundee United defence um, maybe a bit more more solid that we've seen in recent weeks? I don't think United's defence was actually all that good. I just don't think the pars managed to get enough decent shots off. I'm not overly worried about it, as I've said many a time on the podcast. A record against United is absolutely horrific. It was kind of to be expected, but. It is a bit of a sore one, kind of given how poorly they'd been playing in the weeks leading up to this game. I did kind of go into it thinking we could have maybe snuck a result, but it just wasn't to be. It was another game where Nicky Clark scored against us. I think he's scored against us every time now at, at Tannadice since he left us. And, I mean, <laughs> it, it's infuriating. It, and did you expect it to be a free kick, though? 
No, I, I, I didn't expect it to be a free kick, but I mean, I think we'd have been just as well having a lamp posting goals and Cammy Gill. <laughs> I think you jinxed him after last week's podcast. Oh, I, almost certainly. I mean, the first goal, he, I, I really don't even know how to describe it. I've been kind of speaking to friends about it, and it's not like he, he, he doesn't catch the ball, he doesn't kind of parry it away. It's like, it's so hard to kind of describe what he's actually done, and it was kind of similar to what he'd done against Drew Morton a few weeks ago. And yeah. once again, it led to a goal. Shankland got himself on the score sheet, put United ahead. But other than that, I, th- I didn't think Shankland was up to that much. And I think had we managed to kind of avoid him scoring, I think it could have perhaps been a different game. But it wasn't to be, unfortunately. Nope. Have you any other thoughts on the game then? Now let's move on to discussing a Morton win. So let's go for it. Obviously, you missed this one. You were sunning it up in Spain, enjoying many happier cocktails, I can imagine. <laughs> so, did you manage to kind of catch anything from this game? Yeah, I've watched the highlights uh, a few times actually, because um, it's a Morton win. Um, it felt good to bounce back from that disappointing Arbroath defeat, um, obviously. And uh, after this one, everybody does love Bob McHugh. So, uh, a double takes uh, him to five goals for the season now and probably cements his position as our most important player like we were talking about on the review uh, podcast last week um, he's that one player that is probably capable of making a difference for us and, and attempting to earn us some points this season um, and he, he's earned us all three in this one so um, he finished uh, really well after a, after a punt uh, upfield um, chipping uh, Mark Ridgers we had a really harsh goal disallowed as well, similar to that one that we had um, against Dunfermline a couple of weeks back in the game that we were at. Um, that would have made it 2-0 relatively early on and probably made it a, a little bit more comfortable. I think, judging by some of the, the, the chat on the forum, there's still a big worry about the style of play. Um, I think there, there might have been a little bit more passing on display in this match, but still predominantly hoofball. Um which Inverness weren't really able able to capitalise on and, and did seem to kind of play in a similar way, kind of stooping down to our level rather than showing a bit of their own quality. Um, obviously, like I said, one of those hoofs did result in, in Bob McHugh's first goal and then Inverness's uh, equaliser was a bit of that, that shocking Morton defence coming back into things as well. So I think three of them go up to challenge Jordan White who, who wins the flick on. Mitch Curry fires it past Sam Ramsbottom. Um, but then Inverness's defence had another shocker as well um, Cole Donaldson missed a clearance and, and Bob McHugh sneaks in and, and finishes well <sighs> delighted with the three points um, and I think it, it, especially given the, the, a couple of results that we had against Inverness earlier on in the season as well particularly that 5-0 defeat up at the up in Inverness uh, on that Friday night game Yeah I mean it, it's a massive result for you I think given as you say he's got beat by our broth I think he's did need to can get yourself back to winning ways and I think it, it kind of shows just how good you can be on your day given you've managed to be a kind of promotion hopeful in Inverness I've kind of looked into some of the stats from this one Morton were certainly very clinical McHugh's goals were actually your only two shots on target and obviously you got two goals from them whilst Inverness could have only dreamed of being as clinical uh, they only had four on target and missed the target on 12 on 12 different occasions so certainly what can kind of to be done for them Another thing I picked up from this game is Robbie Muirhead is well and alive. He is, yes. He made his first appearance since opening day, albeit off the substitutes bench, and certainly judging from the highlights, I can't recall him actually doing anything, but great to see that he's still alive there. I mean, I think he'd kind of become a bit of a forgotten man under David Hopkin, and as we've kind of said previously, he was a player that kind of broke through with a lot of promise, hasn't really kind of fulfilled that promise, but 
maybe it, things could turn good for him in the coming weeks if he's to get more game time. To be fair, the Morton fans that were at the game were, were quite impressed with his uh, little cameo appearance, to be fair, and I think that, uh, yeah, that's ba- that's him back in the fold um, after, I, I don't remember, like you said, I, I don't think he's played for, for weeks. I think he might have played in a couple of the, maybe the cup games that we'd had um he obviously started in the League Cup quite a few times, and and then uh, I think he did play in the the Tunnocks Cup. But um, yeah, that, that's him back, and I think if if we can get him moving, then he could be a good partner for Bob McHugh, or even uh, working off John Sutton when he's when he's winning flick-ons up front. Yeah, I think that could be a, a really good shout. So, have you any more thoughts on the game before we move on? Then no, let's move on. I think uh, yeah. I, 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 so, some good some good shoots of recovery but um, there's still a, a bit of work to do in terms of playing style I think for Morin Right then, on to Partick Thistle Arbroath Partick's horrible, horrible home form continued as Arbroath ran out 3-1 winners on Saturday Unfortunately, I wasn't able to catch any of this game because, once again, there's no highlights This is something we have kind of shown a lot of anger about in the past but, yep, what, what can also be done? I saw some goal cam footage from our broth, um, but that never really tells you that much, does it? You don't really see the build up to the goals. Um, but yeah, I think we'll probably just talk generally around the match and uh, what happened um, from the outcome. So, I mean, we should probably talk about our broth first because because they won this game and they're absolutely flying. Um, I, I don't think if they'd looked at a home match against Morton and a away match against Partick Thistle in a row that they would expect to have won both of those on the bounce come the start of the season when they're looking at the fixture list do you? No definitely not and I mean I think it just goes to show that they, they do deserve to be in this league they're not they're not just there to make up the numbers as teams kind of have in the past like your Breakins our bro for a team definitely kind of fighting to stay up and they're certainly not going to make things easy for anyone as shown on, on Saturday Partick kind of remain well in fact they are the only team in the division who haven't picked up a single point whatsoever at home and if they kind of wish to get themselves off the bottom of the table, they need to get that sorted out yeah, as soon as possible right. because that is it, it's relegation form. If you're playing like that at home, it's just not great. But that being said, they are doing quite well away from home. But I don't think that's going to be enough kind of for them to to see themselves progress up the table, kind of to where they'd like to be. Well, you look at the difference between Thistle and Morton. Um, yes, Thistle have picked up a couple of away points, but. but maybe not as much as they would have wanted but but Morton's home form is the one that's basically keeping them out of the relegation form um, at the moment we're unbeaten at home and and then Thistle haven't won at all so um, it's just it's so important in the league to to be good at home Um, and Ian McCall will probably be scratching his head about what he can do with that. Yeah it's certainly a tricky one for him I mean I think there was a few changes to the lineup. unfortunately they weren't kind of very effective um, kind of going back to Arbroath this was in fact the first time that a striker had scored in one of their matches in over a month Luke Donnelly got himself on the score sheet and it was in fact him who'd scored the last goal kind of back on kind of September 21st I think it was when as I say a last stri- uh, a striker last scored for them Definitely uh, I think we, we did mention that um, on, on the review on the review pod as well and I, I think it's, a, it's a definitely a good sign for them Dick Campbell will be delighted with this result and, and that I mean it should be six points over Thistle um, if you remember back to the, the Friday night game uh, a month ago probably more than a month ago now um, but but yeah four points from six against Thistle 
absolutely delighted for our both. Yeah, likewise. I mean, I don't think they can complain. Partick's budget will be massively bigger than what our both have. So, so well done to our both kind of for for kind of causing an upset. Before moving on, I'd just like to highlight that perhaps one of the best photos of the season was captured by one of the photographers at the game. As Partick were getting getting thumped, a one fan kind of behind the goals decided he'd had enough. Rather than leaving, though, he decided to pull his jacket up over his head and just zip his head inside his jacket. So, I mean, I've felt like that sometimes, but I've never really done it. But if you've not seen the photo, I'll make sure to retweet it or get Chris or Gav at Pure Football to to retweet it so you can see it. But I mean, I think it'll be I think it'll be quite a hard photo to beat this year. <laughs> Let's move on to our Aloha Kunisev. So the final game from Saturday's action then saw. Aloha and Queen of the South play a 2-2 draw at the Indadrill Stadium. This was quite an end-to-end affair that saw two goals uh, in either half. Queen of the South went in at the half-time kind of interval, two goals to the good, whilst Aloha came out fighting and managed to restore parity kind of soon after the half began. What were your kind of thoughts from the game, Chris? I really enjoyed watching the highlights of this game. I thought it was like end-to-end. Um, I thought and initially looking at the teams actually I think we need to bear in mind as well that Aloha have been playing with John Robertson a centre mid at left back for about the last month um, after Liam Dick picked up an injury and it seems to be working for them they keep on grinding those results as we've said and, and Liam Dick might might have some trouble getting back in the side ahead of John Robertson on the flip side Queen's side looks really settled right now as well so like Gary Oliver Jamie Semple and their 2019 Young Player of the Year Connor Murray can't really get a look in for a starting slot um, Johnson seems to have kind of settled on that side now with a few players maybe playing out of positions or, or ones that they're they're not really that familiar with and it, it seems to be working for them again, they, I thought 2-0 up in this one they would, they would go on to win it I'm quite disappointed that they didn't because I had them on a coupon uh, on Saturday as well so I was quite angry Yeah I mean as, as you say they do look quite a settled team and I mean you can't really argue with Johnson for wanting to kind of stick with a team that has been working and picked up some really good results in recent weeks. You'd mentioned kind of players out of position. Obviously, you've got Elbak Tui playing out wide rather than kind of at striker. And yeah, I mean, Queen of South are doing pretty well, but I think they'll be absolutely kicking themselves that they collapsed in the second half. Uh, Alan Troughton uh, pulled the first one back for Aloha, which which was soon followed by Kevin O'Hara just a minute later. At kind of after this, it was it was a kind of free for all. Both teams had chances to win the game, and yeah, it was certainly as you say a really interesting game to take in. Definitely, the the kind of quick fire goals from from both teams was quite a, a fun thing to see in this match as well. So like uh, like you said, um, Aloha got back into it relatively quickly um, after one another, and then Queens were the same in the first half too. So Dobby, a little bit of magic from him for his third league goal of the season. Um, and then he was involved winning the ball back straight away as well for, for Jack Hamilton to then uh, meet across uh, and head it home for that for the 2-0. I was going to ask you about Alois defence then for the two goals. I kind of felt they could have done better. The first one came off a throw-in, the ball came and Dobby just seemed to turn turn this man with absolute ease before firing it kind of cross goal and into the bottom corner past McDonald. Then for Jack Hamilton's goal... I think Alois certainly could have done a lot more to close down Michael Payton. He seemed to have a lot of time to tee himself up and just kind of prepare an excellent ball onto the head of Hamilton. But really, Alois' defence should have been getting a lot closer, not only to Payton, but Hamilton as well. Hamilton made the header pretty much unchallenged. So 
I think Peter Grant will be wanting to kind of see better from his men at the back in the coming weeks. No, definitely. I think, uh, like you said, uh, Dobbies was a probably should have done better and then I think they definitely should have done better um, for the second one like you say they, they really stood off Michael Payton um, Queens could have and probably should have gone further ahead as well I think uh, Dobby spurned another couple of chances either side of half time second one that he had in particular in the second half was through a one on one with Robbie McCrory and, and basically hit it right at him and you would expect him especially on the form he's on now uh, got a couple of goals under his belt to, to be hitting that uh, in the back of the net yeah, absolutely. So, have you anything else to add to this game before we move on to Tuesday night's action? I just wanted to quickly talk about you. You mentioned, uh, I think it was Alan Troughton's goal. Um, it was a really nice move from another throw-in in this match. I thought it, it looked like a one that they'd maybe worked on in the training ground. Not not a hundred percent on that, obviously, but I think it was a nice move. Uh, Troughton ran on to a nice little ball around the corner from Kevin O'Hara, and it was a kind of similar finish to, to Dobby's goal actually in, in that opposite corner. Yeah, absolutely. So that kind of signals the end of our review from match day 10 and in a matter of seconds we're going to be back with the match day 11 review if Chris manages to seamlessly edit this together. So fingers crossed that it all goes to plan. Right, let's get underway with the uh, match day 11 review then, starting with Dundee United's 1-0 win over Partick Thistle. Did you manage to kind of catch anything from this Chris? haven't no um, I think we'll have to generally talk about it again these are the, the two behind paywall clubs um, in the championship that we've, we've talked about a few times now Dundee United now won back to back league games again and, and kind of cement their place at the top of the league and who else was going to score in a drab Tuesday night 1-0 win than, than Lawrence Shanklin grabbing his 15th of the season yeah I mean he's now I've kind of got in my notes he's He's well on course to beat the kind of championship scoring record since the leagues were all kind of changed to the SPFL uh, back in 2013-2014. He'd set the record himself last year, I think it was 24 or 25, and I mean, if he keeps up this scoring rate, it certainly won't be long until he manages to set a new record, and a record which could be quite hard for another player to beat for years to come. I've gone down the same route I thought I would do a bit of an update on his uh, kind of expected goals tally come the end of the season as it's been a few weeks since I've said it um, so it's gone down to just the 51 goals now at the current just rate just the that, 51 uh, just the 51 at the current rate that he's scoring at um, so I think he really should be doing better there that's a bit poor do you not think oh yeah absolutely terrible shouldn't have been in the Scotland team suck <laughs> out Shankland so while Dundee United managed to pick up as you say their second win on the bounce so that is now Partick's second defeat in two games under McCall. Do you think it's probably fair to say that the new manager bounce has worn off? I don't think there's really been one, has there? Um, I did get that really good win uh, against Dundee, but other than that, I'm, they've really struggled to get going. Um, and, and McCall can't really seem to get a tune out of these players yet. Um, I was looking at the squad again on paper just after this one, and it, I, I really don't think it looks that bad, I think the players are just really underperforming there, um, but then I was maybe thinking are the players not really suited to whatever style McCall is trying to bring in, or has he not really settled on a system to play yet, I, I'm not really sure what's happening at Thistle right now Yes, yeah, it's, it's a really bizarre one, and as we've said, kind of most weeks actually, January transfer window can't come quick enough for them, so fingers crossed for the Thistle fans out there who listen to us your team get better, it's always good to see obviously all the teams competing in this league and it's unfortunate kind of given some of the players Fissel do have in their team that they're certainly not doing as well as they should be. I mean I don't want, I mean somebody's got to go down 
because um, I don't want it to be Morton. So um, I'm not saying I want Thistle to go down, but um, it really looks like that they are going to at the moment. Yeah, I, I mean, the league table doesn't lie, as, as kind of many people say. And I'm going to ask you this. Do you think they could be this year's Falkirk? Do you think that's possible for kind of two traditionally big teams in this division to go down? Uh, I think it's possible. I mean, it, it happened to Falkirk last season, as we saw. And if Thistle don't don't improve uh, in the same way that that Falkirk didn't last season when they when January came round, then it's more than possible. Yeah, absolutely. I think kind of comparing them, even taking off my pal's specs and hating Falkirk specs. I think Partick probably do have a few better players than Falkirk do. Falkirk last season obviously had a lot of players just kind of brought in from here, there and everywhere and I mean they really set themselves behind and that's what kind of led to their demise, eh, their, their wonderful demise should I say. <laughs> so let's move on then to Morton's 3-2 defeat at home to air. What did you think of this one Chris? A Tuesday night 5 goal thriller on Halloween week. Um, uh, I obviously spotted Cameron Salkeld started again for a second consecutive start uh, and we just talked uh, on the, the match day 10 uh, stuff that, that Robbie Muirhead came in with a cold with the cold, from the cold um, for, with a sub appearance on Saturday and he actually started uh, this one so on paper it looked like quite an attacking lineup with those two um, kind of supporting Bob McHugh Muirhead wasn't the only player to get his kind of first starting appearance of the weekend uh, Ayers Craig Moore came off the bench at the weekend just there and he repaid the faith Mark Kerr showed in him uh, on Tuesday night by scoring one of Ayers' three goals which obviously granted Mark Kerr his first one as air manager in the match day 10 stuff we'd kind of kind of suggest we weren't sure how, how Kerr would do or whatever but I mean if if, if the first week if the first uh, match against Dundee was just a kind of settling in and this is kind of the air that we're going to see well great for Ayers it was really nice of Morton to provide him with that first win uh, for his springboard uh, into management. Uh, lovely, lovely stuff from David Hopkins and, and Greenick Morton. Um, I think if we're talking about uh, some of the, the play in the match, I think Jack Baird's opener for us was one of the scrappiest goals you probably see this season in the league. Uh, not sure if you've seen it, but a bit of pinball from a corner, ball hits off the post and then uh, Baird kind of hits it straight at Ross Doon and then Ross Doon somehow lets it go through him and it's made its way over the line somehow, not really sure how. Um, and then I've, I've got down here a bit of a defensive and midfield issues again for us. Um, Craig Moore, as you said, came in for the start, was left unmarked for the equaliser. And then Luke McCowan evaded, I think it was a chance from Jim McAllister, although I think it was McAllister and Jacobs uh, in the midfield. Um, he evaded the challenge really well to, to finish kind of superbly um, in the cor- uh, top corner from outside the box. Two and two now, as we just said, he scored uh, the weekend as well, and that takes him to just behind Bob McHugh on five goals because Bob McHugh got a sixth goal of the season to equalise for us here. Um, and I thought Ross doing again should have probably done much better with that, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. I've not seen an awful lot from the game, but I did see that goal and completely agree with you there. Kind of regarding doing should have been doing better. Have you any other thoughts from the game then? Yeah, we need to talk about Ayers winning as well. Unfortunately, um, if we're talking about Jack Baird's being very scrappy, this one was a bit calamitous. Fitting of Morton's season so far, I thought. Um, Lewis straps attempted clearance, kind of bounces off Craig McGuffey and loops over Sam's Ram- Sam Ramsbottom uh, and goes and uh, yeah, kind of consigns us. 
uh, to losing our unbeaten home record, which I'm absolutely gutted about. I thought I could talk about Fortress Capello um, for the rest of the season, um, but clearly not. Moving on then, we're going to take a look at Queen of the South's defeat to Inverness at home. For starters, before getting into the game, I'd just like to give massive credit to any of the Inverness fans who travelled to this one. I mean, it's some commitment to make on a Tuesday night. I think it was something like a 500-mile round trip. I know the kind of fixture generator doesn't exactly take this into consideration, but, I mean, yeah, fantastic commitment, and they were duly rewarded with a 2-0 victory. Did you manage to kind of see anything from this match, Chris? Yeah, I've seen some highlights. Um, As you say, horrific trip for for Cali fans to make. Uh, Fair play. I I think I maybe saw on Twitter there was maybe about 36 fans there. I could, could be wrong there. Um, but yeah, they obviously they obviously got personally thanked um, by with a three points as well. Um, looking at the stats, Queens dominated. Um, they had 17 shots um, and, and really dominated the attempts, but just couldn't find that, that bit of quality that, that saw them score one of them to, to get into the match at all. Yeah, absolutely. That's something I'd picked up on up upon as well. Obviously, scored six goals in the previous two matches, but obviously couldn't get it. Which I, I don't know if it's maybe. Kind of signs of earlier on in the season where they couldn't score, kind of creeping in, kind of away from their attack. Though their defence kind of started to open right up. We've continually praised them on the podcast, kind of for their rock solid defence. But they've now conceded four in the last two, despite only conceding six in the six in the previous nine games before that. Is this kind of something that they should see as an issue, or are they kind of now performing how they should be? I think they will see it as an issue. Um, I, I, I don't think, in terms of the goals anyway, that the, the defending was pretty bad um, in this one. Um, nobody really got near uh, enough to Aaron Doran. I think he kind of evaded at a couple of players that were marking him. Uh, it did take a big deflection off Lee Day though. I, I've mentioned Aaron Doran on, on, on a previous podcast as well, a player that I think should probably could and, and should be providing much more of an output for Cali. Um, so this this goal could be the start of him doing that, um, and then Todorov kind of sealed the win in the dying seconds. Um, he started in place of Jordan White in this one, and I think yeah again, uh, Queens's defence probably could have got uh, nearer to him, or maybe even closed down some of the options that the, the Queens players had, but uh, the Cali players had before that. Sorry, so um, yeah, a little bit, a few worrying signs there, um, and, and Queens will definitely be looking to bounce back from this one uh, at the weekend. Yeah, undoubtedly, and obviously this was Inverness bouncing back from defeat themselves. Obviously lost to Morton 2-1 at the weekend, so they'll be thankful that they didn't kind of start a losing run or anything like that when they were when they were down at Palmerston. Definitely, I think this match just kind of proves again the, the topsy-turvy nature of the league. Um, Queen's been playing well, grabbed some great results, fall short to Inverness, who, who lost to Morton, who haven't been playing well recently, so, so yeah, again, just proving the championship and anything can happen. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on then to the penultimate fixture from Tuesday's uh, Tuesday's fixture card, uh, Dunfermline won 2-0 at home to Arbroath. Before letting you jump in with your thoughts, Chris, I'd just like to say that could possibly one of the first halves I've ever seen, even worse than the first half between our two sides. Surely not. It had all the, it had all the entertainment of a poke in the eye. There was, <laughs> uh, there was very few chances and, I mean... Yeah, it just wasn't great. Thankfully, though, we managed to to really come at a different team in the second half. And, I mean, I think it showed that Arbroath were getting tired, obviously. I'd imagine a lot of these Arbroath players may have had shifts kind of earlier on in the day they might have, or whatnot. 
I think that that kind of showed as the game progressed, they certainly started to to open up a lot, and then the pass capitalised with Kevin Nisbet grabbing a brace. I'd just like to highlight Paul Payton. He made two absolutely excellent passes for the goals. For the first one, he kind of long ball right over the top. Andy Ryan got it kind of on the edge of the box, running, and then cut it back to Nisbet, who who put it into the corner. I think uh, our broth goalkeeper Derek Gasson could have done better. Nisbet kind of wrong footed him. And then for the second one, Payton was the uh, architect of the move again. Ball right over the top. Our Brof's defence kind of had a bit of a of a brain fart, and I mean there were some calls for for offside, but Nisbet was certainly onside, and he managed to kind of poke poke home a second goal and secure the powers of vital three points, which now means we've won two home games on the trot, which. I mean, I couldn't even tell you the last time that happened. So it was certainly a great feeling for us. Have you got the black and white specs on for that second goal and the offside decision? M- maybe a little, but well, uh, <laughs> it, it was that cold. Maybe my judgment was uh, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit skewed. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, same, same as you. To be honest, noted down Paul Payton, the playmaker. Um, I'm not sure where that came from. Uh, I don't really remember him playing uh, such a, a good couple of passes kind of this season so far anyway and maybe even before that too and then Kevin Nisbet obviously getting back on the goal trail as well um, good for his confidence um, obviously we've, we've talked about some of his struggles in previous podcasts too so yeah I mean very good result for you obviously our both coming off the back of those those two big wins for them and I think this could have been a tricky one for you um, but like you said our both maybe struggling with, with some of the guys working, working during the day Yeah absolutely so Kind of building on what you said regarding Nisbet kind of growing in confidence, I think this result as a whole will kind of give the team confidence. And I mean, I think that was obvious kind of after the first goal that we'd scored. We kind of started to attack a lot more freely and might be a bit of a stretch to say this, but certainly it seemed a bit more like the powers that we'd seen earlier on in the season, certainly in the League Cup and that first game against Dundee where we relentlessly attacked. We had several other kind of chances where we broke at speed with, with a lot of numbers and obviously couldn't couldn't add any more to our goal tally but certainly some promising signs kind of going back kind of to the bit kind of before the game started the kind of major team news was that Cammy Gill had been dropped uh, as I said kind of made a few mistakes on Saturday against Dundee United and Ryan Scully came back in and well done well he managed to keep a clean sheet so there can't be any complaints I think probably though the goalkeeper will be a position I'd like to see a strengthen in January Gill is a promising player and while Scully is he's alright I probably would prefer someone a bit more safer in between the power sticks yeah Scully never really got a look in when he was in Morton and then obviously left to, to join uh, Dunfermline as well I think Gaston was kind of keeping him out of the teams and obviously it was those two playing against each other in this one um, not not reflective of the match at all obviously um Maybe Dunfermline had uh, a better, better defence in, in front of the, the keeper in this one, but but yeah, I think uh, yeah, Scully never really got a look in, and I, when he maybe maybe did, he wasn't that impressed with him, and I thought it was a bit of a weird one at the time, maybe making a, a sideways move rather than uh, rather than one lower down. Yeah, I mean it was quite a bizarre one. We'd obviously brought him in off the back of the Lee Robinson debacle. Nobody's really all that sure what kind of happened. A the kind of rumour was he he was part-time with us and I don't think Stevie Crawford was all that happy that he wasn't kind of having as much time with the team as others and 
I think he felt that we needed we needed kind of everyone in together at the same time, and that certainly made a difference when Crawford managed to take us on that five game run uh, at the end of last season. So finally, then we're going to discuss Dundee's three 0 away win over Aloha Athletic. What did you make of this game, Chris? I mean, yeah, for, you've got the stats for haven't you from from Neri's Topoka? Yeah, I do. So I'll I'll just quickly jump into them. So with Dundee winning this match and obviously the match on Friday night against Ayr this was the first time they'd won back-to-back games since July 2018 it was the first time they'd won back-to-back league games since May 2018 and it was the first time they'd won back-to-back league away games for the first time since May 2017 yeah, I mean, I was I was speaking to Tommy Young from from Dundee. Works uh, behind the scenes with the media stuff there, and, and he was uh, kind of feeding these stats off to me. If if they did manage to to win uh, two games on the bounce, he was he was ready to post out some of these stats, and I think he'll he'll be delighted. He'll be able to now. I think they they completely dominated this one against Aloha in in what was a poor Aloha performance. If if you look at it overall, I think just one shot on target and about. 40% or so of the possession so yeah a, a domination from Dundee who are finding a bit of form now Yeah as you say it was a really poor performance from Aloha I guess you'd kind of say this is similar to that defeat to Air earlier on in the season where they just didn't show up whatsoever and got deservedly beaten in the end in typical championship fashion obviously everyone turns on its head <laughs> in the match day 10 stuff we went on and on about how poor kind of Dundee's strike force were but Kane Hemmings popped up with a brace, so this this could well be the kind of turnaround for not only him but Dundee and could begin their kind of surge up the table perhaps. Yeah, I think typical championship, typical championship, uh, pure championship as well, with with us maybe talking about it a bit too much and then the complete opposite happening. Um but yeah, I think they've they've surely got to put a, a bit of a good run together now, obviously themselves and their, their city rivals Dundee United both winning win two games on the bounce and I think with some of the other dip, uh, disappointing results that some of the other teams up at the top have had, Dundee have maybe clawed themselves back into that uh, promotion race, I think. Yeah, they're bound to take confidence from it, so would would you say they've perhaps turned the corner now? Do you think this is them going to start kind of finding a, a decent run of form and giving it a right good go, or do you think things are just going to kind of turn on their head again this weekend? I really don't know. Um, I'm not going to predict anything. Um, I think we need to see after this weekend. Um, because I think that could be my new rule. Um, you you wait, have to wait until at least three matches before making a, a proper prediction to see what's going to go on. Yeah, I certainly think that's sensible. As as we've said many a time, and even in this podcast, the league's completely unpredictable. I mean, you'd be a fool to predict anything kind of too far in advance. Right. So finally, then we're going to preview the matches uh, for this weekend. Uh, we start with. Dundee at home to your Morton on Friday night on the BBC. Uh, how are you kind of feeling ahead of this one then? I'm not feeling very confident, to be fair. I think uh, this this could be the match that Dundee win win three games on the bounce, um, especially uh, at Dens as well. I think Morton's away form has obviously been absolutely shocking, um, and especially on Friday nights as well. I think I just I still have nightmares about that five 0 pumping against Inverness. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not very confident about this one, but fingers are always crossed, obviously. Is there not any hope at all, given he's managed to beat them earlier on in the season, or is all that hope gone after after the last result? No, we, we're apparently the worst uh, side that Dundee have played against this season, as are both said as well. So, um, yeah, we're not very good. 
Right, so next then we have Madden Ferlin hosting Queen of the South. I'm quite looking forward to this one. I think if we manage to win it, fantastic. We're going to have kind of got ourselves back on track and kind of performing how we should be. I think they kind of run the fixtures that we've had. Couldn't have been much kinder. Obviously, our broth on, on Tuesday night, Queen of the South on Saturday, and then Alawa away the following Saturday. And I think if we manage to get nine from nine from then, that's great. So, fingers crossed. Obviously, Queen of the South's defence has opened up a wee bit, but at the same time, as we've said, they're now kind of starting to score goals as well. So, I think it's certainly not going to be a, a goalless affair. I think both teams probably will get on the score sheet. Fingers crossed it's my pars kind of finishing the game with all three points. So, Yeah, score draw on that one, I think, which means it'll be nil-nil. <laughs> right. So, the third game then sees uh, the two part-time sides, our both take on Alawa. How do you think this one's going to go, Chris? Uh, having seen our both uh, more recently than I've seen Alawa, I think uh, they, it could be a home win. Um, I, I was not massively impressed with them against Morton, but they, they put in a really good performance, um, kind of remained pretty pretty firm, pretty solid, and, and uh, were, were not too bad going forward. Um, obviously, uh, grabbed some goals um, in the last couple of, of match days as well, obviously against Thistle, um, and I think they, they could win this one. Yeah, no, I, I certainly think that's possible. I mean, I think they'll be keen to bounce back from the defeat against Mapars and, as we said in the match day 10 stuff, managed to do really well against Partick. So I think they will be looking to kind of take advantage of Alloa, whose form's been a wee bit topsy-turvy kind of as of late. So the penultimate game then is uh, Ian McCall Derby as McCall takes his Partick Thistle side uh, to air for the first time since he, since he quit air to join Partick Thistle. What do you think of this one, Chris? I'm predicting that there'll be some booing. Um, that's my prediction in this one. Um, on recent form, you've got to, you've got to say air at home here. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a very interesting one to watch. Ian McCall maybe have his have his players fired up, and yeah, I think I, I'm going to go air win. Yeah, likewise. I'm I'm struggling. Although Partick, as I said earlier on, have travelled. Well, they've not done anything at home, so they've. Uh, but they, they do look a bit better away from home. Whether that's just they've then not got the pressure of performing in front of as big a kind of crowd in, in terms of their in terms of their own fans I, I don't know but I still I can't see past air, air beating them at the weekend so finally then we have Inverness playing host to the championship leaders Dundee United are you expecting a Dundee United win in this one Chris? Two sides kind of up at the top of the table Inverness will probably be pushing for a win because if a win uh, if they do win that takes them just a point behind Dundee United as well so this could be a big match um, two of the form sides in the league Yeah I think it's going to be a really tight one and I'm going to predict a score draw in this one so what are you thinking in terms of our prediction then? I I'm going to go Inverness win uh, Dundee United haven't drawn yet this season which I think is quite interesting um, and yeah I think Inverness might, might sneak it Excellent so there we have it uh, two match days in one podcast for y'all uh, if you kind of like what you've heard be sure to share it share it with those around you and kind of let us know any comments uh, more than happy to hear any feedback and hopefully tune in for the next one so it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Chris See you later